Welcome to my first Big Game Harvest podcast. This is Mario Chicas, and today I am joined by Mr. Jared Hostetler. How's it going, man? Good. How you doing, man? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. Um, so thanks for coming on, making the time. I know it's kind of a pain on the weekend, but here we are. Well, that's the best time for me, so. <laughs> and for you. <laughs> yeah. yeah, so so coming clean here, Jared is one of my favorite people to hunt with. So Jared is actually my brother-in-law. And actually, you're responsible for getting me into hunting, so. I don't know if I'm going to take full responsibility for well, that. Well, it's not full responsibility, <laughs> but... You and uh, you and Jesse, yeah, definitely the culprits there. So and it was also definitely selfish too because I didn't want to go out alone. So I figured if I could get a buddy into it, then it'd be a little bit easier. <laughs> so I have you to thank for the thousands of dollars and hours—well, not thousands of hours, but time we spent out in the field. So well, I let you marry my sister, so I think that's payback. <laughs> this is true. This is true. <laughs> definitely on the winning end of that one, <laughs> and continue to be. So that's cool, man. So have you been out lately? Actually, I know you were out. You were yeah. out uh, with your boy, right? Yeah. So we went out. Actually, you and I were the, went out together when, over uh, New Year's. Uh, we were scouting. That was the last uh, time that I went out. And then Easton, my boy, and Wyatt, my second oldest, have a hunt coming up for Javelina here in two weeks. And so I'll go out again. Where's that hunt again? Down in 34B. You would think I'd know and remember as many <laughs> times as I've asked you. You've told me. <laughs> okay. Don't worry, I forget too. So. Yeah. And for the people not from Arizona, where is that unit? So that's just south of uh, the I-10, uh, down by Tucson area. I wish I could tell you the exact boundaries and stuff, but it's it's about all I know right now. It's going to be a un- new unit to me. I haven't hunted that unit yet. Don't really know a lot about it, so I'm hoping it holds a good amount of javelina from what I've read online and scouted out online. It seems like it holds quite a bit of javelina, so we'll see how it turns out. Yeah, and that's rifle for the boys? Yeah, it's rifle for the boys, yeah. So does that still stay within the two weeks? Are you still going to be able to hunt uh, deer with the over-the-counter tag? Mm, oh, actually, I'll have to check that unit. So yeah, I'm still pretty new to hunting. I guess I, I should know more, but <laughs> well, we don't hunt down there no. a ton. So no, we don't. yeah, so I was actually talking with uh, Ray for those listening. That's my wife, your sister, um, about trying to get out maybe next Saturday or so. Oh. So if your schedule is, I think you're probably working. Probably working. Yeah, I'll be working. I thought you'd be off because you were off this one so i thought you'd be on the next and then oh anyway, yeah that i may have messed sorry up that's moment. actually no that's when i'll be out with the boys oh okay you should come with us and there you go <laughs> there you i guess go. we'll have to go visit her parents yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so but anyway so you know some of the stuff i may not even know so mm. tell me a little about yourself like where were you born mm. um obviously i know your parents and all that but oh so <laughs> so where were you born where'd you grow up kind of Take me through high school on that. So I was born in Biloxi, Mississippi. My dad was in the Air Force. See, I didn't know that. <laughs> he was a C-130 pilot, so I was born down where he was stationed down there at the time. And then we moved when I was about five years old out to Arizona. And uh, we were here for a few years while he finished up his military commitment. And then uh, he retired in 88, I believe. And then we moved out to Arkansas. And I lived there for another five to six years and actually that's kind of where I got interested in hunting Uh, so how old were you at this time so I was about I like 10 or 11 at that time and me and my younger brother would find arrows in the creek bottoms when we'd go out and play in the in the forest and everything and we'd find these arrows and we'd fashion bows out of fishing line from my dad's like tackle box and sticks and we'd go out and shoot these bows and then also in the back of our church, there's, well, I guess it was some hunting property back there because every once in a while we'd see people going after rabbits and everything. And I'd ask my dad about hunting and he, he was a big hunter when he was growing up out in, uh, in Ohio, but my mom, she had some reservations about guns and those type of things. So we never really got out as a, as a, a father, son, brothers and stuff like that. But yeah. 
it wasn't until we moved to Arizona again when they decided to move back to Arizona after Arkansas that I did my I went through high school and I never really thought too much about hunting throughout high school even though my wrestling coach would always talk about how much he was sacrificing with his time and his bow hunting and everything like that to to coach us during wrestling season which I didn't realize that was the rut that he was missing and it wasn't until I started hunting that I realized how big of a sacrifice he was truly making <laughs> by missing the rut because he was a big time bow hunter and uh so I got got exposed to it just a little bit by him and then so you never actually let me just take you back a second mm-hmm. so you never actually through like junior high or high school never had anybody like putting you in no for any draws no. or over the counter because no. you were you were here in Arizona at, yeah through the end of junior high to yeah you know, high so and stuff and so you would have had well I guess we need to talk to somebody to see if there was an over the counter yeah at that time um, but nobody was putting you in no. actively or trying to build up points for you or no. nothing like that. So, so you're just hearing about it from your wrestling coach. Yeah. And, and that's yeah, it. I had no idea how to get started and it wasn't uh, until I left to go to college and everything that my brother, um, when he got older in his junior and senior year, he started going out small game hunting and I'd hear about him going out small game hunting and I was curious and interested and then when I was living in Nebraska, going so, to school. Real quick, your brother was here, yeah, in, in Arizona, Arizona and yeah. then you moved to Nebraska, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Okay. Go ahead. And so when I, when I was out in Nebraska going to school, I heard about how my brother got his first coos deer, and I was like, "Well, what is that?" And I sent him a text asking, you know, to send me some pictures, and he sent me this picture of this coos deer, and I just thought it was just like the the smallest, wimpiest little animal I ever saw. <laughs> And I had no idea what these coos deer wore or anything like that. And um, I was seeing these Nebraska whitetails. And I, I didn't have the, the heart to tell him that he got one of the smallest deer I ever saw. <laughs> <laughs> and he is the younger brother too. So, I mean, there's some of that in there. But. And so uh, when he got that, you know, it piqued my interest in hunting. And so I went out with a couple buddies in, in Nebraska. And we did some just uh i don't really want to admit it but we went out and probably did some poaching and stuff unbeknownst to me because again i didn't know the rules or regulations and i didn't have the so they're like let's go hunting you're like yeah let's go yeah Yeah, just jumping with them and we'd go out and yeah uh, luckily for me i didn't ever get anything but i i'd still go out with them and sit there yeah and track and everything like that yeah thought i was tracking just following their lead and stuff and so I think that was the first type of exposure. And then when I got done with school, I came back out to Arizona. I was living on the White River um, Indian Reservation, and they sent out some some information on the draw up there on the reservation. So, so for those that don't know, um, the White River Reservation is nestled between what would be Unit 1, right, which yeah. is kind of north and, and a little bit more. Um, east, east yeah. right so and then also where's 27 relation it's it's um a little bit more west i guess we could completely cheat here but yeah. um and the point being that those two units are some of the most i would say sought after for in that area yeah. for elk right so yeah. and you're like dead smack in the middle mm-hmm. you know in, in the in the reservation there so um, for the Arizona listeners, you know, obviously it's the Pine Top Lakeside, you know, Greer area and all that. So for you outsiders, I mean, you, you can look it up, look up Sholo, Arizona or yeah. Unit 1. And some of these guys are listening or will listen eventually, probably putting in for those units, you know, from out of state. And so, mm-hmm. um, so anyway, sorry, I just want to explain you yeah, know, no, that's that, but going back to White River. Yeah. So, you know, they sent out their regulations and it was about that time that I saw my first big elk. And we were driving down actually back from Greer um, down the highway and it was dark and my headlights hit something over to the left of the road. And I look over and I'm looking face to face in my truck. I felt like I was looking face to face with this towering elk that was just standing on the side of the road. And it was just an amazing creature. And, and so everybody knows Jared drives a big four by four Toyota Tundra lifted and so if you're eye level at this thing yeah yeah it was pretty 
pretty uh, intimidating seeing that thing. And so that's your first sight of, of, an, a, of, an, elk. of an Arizona mm-hmm. elk. Yep. Do you remember any points or anything? Like, no, I, like was just, I was just thanking God that it was off the road and I didn't <laughs> hit it because <laughs> I had a car full of kids. <laughs> yeah. And uh, I was just glad that uh, we were safe because it was, it was a beast. Um, and so that was kind of my first elk exposure and everything. And I really wanted to put in for elk at the time on the reservation, but I was doing my residency with a pharmacy up there on the reservation and I didn't have the money, nor did I have the time to put in. So it really wasn't until I moved back down to the valley in 2010 that I really got interested in hunting. And I had a, one of the physicians I work with, he was just out from Michigan and one of his dreams was to get a get an Arizona elk. And so we would talk about it and then he's the one that actually kind of get, got me into putting in for the draw because we would talk about it and I, we both agreed that we'd put in. And so that kind of motivated me to start looking it up. And also the fact that my brother was hunting, that motivated me to get out there because, you know, being a bigger brother and that competitive spirit, I wanted <laughs> to be the first one to put down some, uh, some you know, elk antlers. Yeah. And so he was the first one to put down a whitetail, a coos deer. And I was thinking, well, maybe I could be first with the elk. Yeah. And so that motivated me as well. Yeah. So your buddy that, was he living in Michigan and then putting in for here? No, or? he he actually moved from Michigan. Okay, and he was a big whitetail hunter up there in Michigan. Okay, and so one of his goals was to get a get an elk with his bow, which he was actually successful within the first fifteen minutes of opening day yeah. this last season to achieve his goal and achieve his dream of doing that, which was a great thing to to be a part of with him and stuff. Yeah. Well, that explains why when I got up there, he was on cloud nine. Like just, <laughs> yeah. what do you want to do, man? Whatever. I don't care. It doesn't matter what we do. <laughs> I think he's pretty, pretty up there still. So yeah, yeah. that's awesome. I had no idea it was him. So mm-hmm. that's pretty cool. Yeah. So it's uh, Mr. Hopkins, you know, gets you going here. Mm-hmm. Um, so you start putting in for some of these draws and all that. So yeah, um, we'll just kind of segue right into, um, you know, met you, um, you know, a couple years later. So we start kind of hunting together and then um, we can't get drawn right mm-hmm. in Arizona or at least not for what we wanted. And we're kind of trying to learn the system yeah. and listening to J Scott podcast about how to quote unquote get drawn and, and mm-hmm. the way that the, the draw system is in Arizona and you read all this stuff about how bad it is, how good it is. People love it. People hate it. And yeah. we're just like, I think it was you that had the idea. Hey, my cousins are in, in Wyoming and uh, Utah, Utah. Yeah. right? Let's roll up to Utah yeah. and let's go hunt. Yeah. And so of course I'm like, well, <laughs> let me start saving up some pennies and we'll roll up. So, um, I mean, I think it's important to backtrack just a little bit. Um, so I actually got drawn the first time I had gotten drawn out in Arizona was with my brother and my dad. And we went out whitetail hunting in Unit 33. And that was a, an interesting experience, too, one of my first times. And then also just to kind of show people how green we were, uh, and you and I, yeah. when we went out, um, I believe it was Unit 22 that we both got drawn in. Uh, I think that was either the year after I went with my bro- brother and my dad or, okay. or two years after. And I still remember sitting there on a rock. And I know you remember this too. Sitting there on a rock and having a conversation about whether the deer across the canyon was a whitetail or a mule deer. <laughs> and we both had our rationale of no, it's a whitetail because of this. And no, it's yeah. a mule deer because of this. And we had a tag for a whitetail up there at the time. I was really hoping you wouldn't get into this story, actually. <laughs> no, I think it's a good story. It because is a good story. I think uh, for some of the listeners that are just getting into yeah, it, you know, it just... For sure. It is an intimidating thing getting into hunting. It's expensive, obviously, but it's also intimidating because you think everyone knows so much more than you and it can be intimidating because you just don't want to make that jump because you're so naive and everything like that. And it's like, you just got to go for it. I mean, we were sitting there arguing whether we could take the shot or not. And I still remember telling you that, hey, take the shot. Go ahead, take the shot. I'll help you. It's not my tag, but I'll help you. But I can guarantee that's a mule deer. (laughs) (laughs) 
And so we decided smartly not to take the shot. And yeah, uh, since we, we were, did. and I am going to go into the Taco Bell. You can. I mean, we're this deep in now. <laughs> Why stop now? <laughs> so I, after after that, we went uh, to Taco Bell to kind of lick our wounds up in Payson because we didn't have any deer meat to eat. So we went and got the next best thing to fake meat as Always possible. Always Taco Bell. <laughs> <laughs> so we went to Taco Bell thinking that everyone up in Payson was a hunting expert. And so as we were ordering, the girl across the counter standing there and we still had the debate and we still disagreed on whether it was a whitetail or a mule deer. Yeah. So I still remember us having the idea that, hey, we're up in Payson. Everyone knows what deer look like up here. Everyone hunts up here. So let's ask this girl across the counter. So we did. Yeah, sure <laughs> we did. Asked, we, we explained both our point of views and everything. And yeah. she looked at us like we were just from a different planet. Yeah. She had no care <laughs> at all what we were talking about. She she asked if we, if we wanted sauce or no sauce. That was her biggest concern. <laughs> Pretty sure she said, there's no deer meat in these tacos. You know that, <laughs> <Yeah>. right? <laughs> so, I mean, just for people that are listening to this and getting into it, I, I don't know if you can get more, much more naive than that. Dude. You know, just that's... talk about jumping in. We just jumped in and, and just did it. And sometimes um, that's what you got to do. You know, you, you can wait for the perfect moment in a lot of things in life, but you're never going to get to that perfect moment. Yeah. And so I think that I think we learned that together. We just yeah. if we want something, we just got to jump in and do it. You know? Yeah. And we definitely jumped in, man. And we were we were hiking all over yeah. the place on yeah. that. I mean, and and I I think I said it on the on the last podcast when when Jesse when one of one of our buddies said, you know, wear your meat, not your feet. Yeah. Our feet were, I mean, we'd take well, our boots off on the mountain, and be like, <laughs> oh my gosh, my feet are throbbing, man. Well, also the fact that. Um, someone locked keys in their truck. About you don't how have far. to go into every one of these embarrassing <laughs> I stories. I think it's important for people to know how, you know, when you go out there, you think you're the only one that has done this ridiculousness and Shoot. these ridiculous things. But, you know, you can make ridiculous mistakes. And that's, again, you know, we're sitting here both laughing. We weren't laughing at the time. No. Or at least I wasn't laughing at the time. Okay. But it's those uh, difficult, you know, experiences that we go through together and, we come out on the other end just fine and we either look back with fondness and, you know, grow those bonds and, you know, that's what hunting's about, right? It's yeah. Going out there with your buddies and your family and having bonds. Yeah. Like, grow and these For fun sure. stories, you know? Yeah. It's, it's, <laughs> it's definitely been fun, man. And, and, and having you on and, and talking about, you know, the bonds that you make, you know, it's obviously you and I have traveled you know, 12 yeah. hours one way, you know, up to, to Utah hunting and that a couple of times. Couple and then, times, um, yeah. you know, this, uh, last, uh, two years, my brother, my older brother has gone with me. My younger brother, who's never even been yeah. literally on a mountain went with me this last year, yeah. you know, so you're right. There's, there's some awesome, you know, funny stories that come out of these things. Oh, and, yeah. uh, I'll get into some other ones with, with my last trip some other time. But, um, but yeah, no, I'm glad you took us back there. I, I didn't know, you know, um, how to kind of segue into that. So I guess that was good to start trying to jump right through just it. Just jump you know? right in. Yeah, that's, that's the whole theme of this right here. You don't know how to do something, just jump right in. That's it. right. That's right. How hard is it to talk to a guy that I talked to for 12 hours all the way up to Utah? I mean, exactly. it's not that difficult at all. So exactly. Anyway, I'll, I'll let you take it from here wherever you want to go. So we okay. can... So um, in 2017, my buddy uh, Pat uh, uh, and I got drawn for Unit 8 Early Archery Elk, and we both were just ecstatic. You know, we had... Why were you ecstatic? There. Tell me why you were ecstatic, because it's where? It's Unit 8. Unit 8, <laughs> and it's where? I, right next to what? Oh, it's <laughs> right next... forest? Yeah, it's right next to um, Coco Nino, and uh, I mean, it's the the... Southernmost of yeah. Kaibab. Yeah, and that up there too. I mean, um, yeah, it's it's a great area up there, you know, and uh, so that's a lot of excitement up there. But, and it, it's a great unit too. I, I really enjoy that unit. I know it's not yeah. one of the the trophy or the, one of the most popular ones that people put in for, but I think that it's, it's up there for the type of elk that you can pull out of there. Yeah. And so... But um, so in 2017, we both got drawn and we went up there and we had a lot of opportunity and it was just, it was amazing being up there and hearing the, the bull scream uh, around you and just being up there in the, the cold morning uh, air and just, just being up there was just an amazing experience. And 
he and I had talked a lot about the the fact that to get successful at anything, you just need more time in the field and, and the more time that you have to go out and put in um, learning about the area and also the more time that you have to go out and learn about the animals and their habits and stuff and learn how to call and everything, the more successful we could be. So it was at that moment that I was just like, you know what, the only way that I'm going to get a chance to do this every year is to either go out of state or just find someone every year that has a tag. And I don't want to be a tag on every single year. So I just decided, you know, I was going to look into different states that I could go hunting and everything because we weren't successful that first year. But just that attitude of getting more time in the field, getting more time with these animals and getting more time learning their habits and, and messing up and getting close to them and, and having opportunity was really what was going to make me a successful hunter. So at the end of that year, I decided to see if I could reignite um, uh, my relationship with my cousins up in Utah and Wyoming because I knew they were avid hunters up there and there was an over-the-counter season up there for elk. And I figured what better way to stay in the game every year, year after year, than to go up and hunt up in Utah with them and get to know the ropes with them. Yeah. And so I contacted them and they my cousins are just great people, you, you know, yeah. and Tyler and Neil. Absolutely. And, I mean, that, that whole family is just a lot of great people and stuff. And so they were more than willing to let me go up there and hunt with them. And so we set it up in 2018 to go up there. And I had the, the opportunity for you, obviously, to go up with me. You drove up the whole way while I had just gotten off of work since I worked overnight. <laughs> That's right. That's right. <laughs> you picked me up at the hospital. We jumped in the truck with all our gear. And yeah, everything. Seven, seven or eight in the morning. It was, yeah, it was seven, I believe. Yeah. And then... We left from there. You mm-hmm. had all your gear at yeah, everything at the was hospital. in the truck and yeah, everything is. That's right, everything's yeah. in the truck. I forgot here. I thought that you, well, because you did. You held on for a solid five, six hours, or, or maybe uh, more. I want to say we talked the whole way because yeah. it wasn't until uh, Colorado um, that I started getting sleepy. We're taking. It was after Grand Junction, I believe, yeah. and we were coming up into Utah, uh, back into Utah from Colorado. Uh, that I started getting sleepy. And yeah. I think I, I tried to go to sleep, but we were doing hitting a whole bunch of sw- switchbacks on the road. Yep. And so I was just like, you know what, screw it. I'm going to be up the whole time. And so, yeah, you know, we stayed. I stayed up after getting picked by, up by you. We, it was about 12, 13 hours that we talked the whole way. And yeah. Stayed up the whole time, and we got up to see Tyler. I think we ran into Tyler in the camp. So before you go there, yeah. so we um, – you were talking about, you know, getting a shot at, you know, and didn't want to be a tag along every time. So I was perfectly fine with being a tag along, right? Like the first year and the second year, I was perfectly fine. Yeah. And so, you know, I remember we stopped to get your tag in that little Mm -hmm. rinky dink place. And, um, and like, right. It was right in Moab, I believe. Right. Got the tag. Right. And I remember just talking to you about how, um, like you're like man i hope i'm not wasting all this money on this tag and I'm not gonna tag out and i just remember thinking well it doesn't matter to me like i'm just here to tag along so i either i either help or i don't help you know whatever i'm, I'm ready you know whatnot but then when you said that i was like yeah you know it, this isn't it's not an inexpensive trip you know to no. to make up there and in the time and then um, you know, which what we'll get into here with with Neil and Tyler and and um, just some of the guys that we now know because yeah. of those trips. I mean, those those people let you into their camp and, and yeah. let you into these secret which, hunting. Spots. Yeah, I, I was yeah. just gonna say we'll talk more about how. I mean, when we were up there, it was going from spot to spot to spot. It wasn't yeah. like, well, let's see, maybe over here. It was like they had done their homework already. Oh yeah, well, I mean, so. The Tyler's buddy Tim, like I mean, he was—he's been hunting that area forever, and he welcomed us up there with open arms. And which was, if you've been in the hunting community for a while, you know that that's pretty unusual yeah. for people to just go. Well, you know, I've had success in this area. Why don't you guys go check out this area? Especially for two people that he has no idea who they are, right? You know, and right? So uh, that we could just either ruin his his uh, scouting area, yeah, or we tell you know. Three hunters, which might as well be three hundred yeah, hunters, yeah. you know, the way that that travels here. So, yeah. things kind of were falling 
in line, but there was a lot of pressure, mm. I remember, to, you know, to get something done. So um, anyway, so we make the long trek up there and then, you know, we get up there and, you know, meet your cousins and whatnot. Goodness, it had been years that I actually had sat down and talked to Tyler or seen Tyler. You know, I want to say it was in our teens that the last time I saw him. Oh, dang. And it was it was a long time. I mean... At my grandma's funeral, I saw him from a distance and we didn't really say anything to each other just because we didn't really go, grow up close to each other except for an occasional trip up to Utah to see family and stuff. But other than that, it was one of the first times I was seeing him again. I talked to him on the phone and set everything up, but yeah. So, so it had been 20-something years since you'd seen him. It had been a while, yeah. Wow. Possibly that long. And so, you know, I saw him from outside and I could just tell the way he was moving that it was my cousin Tyler. And so we found the right campsite and we went to bed that night, pretty uneventful and woke up the next morning and it was just a beautiful day up there in Utah. I don't know if you remember it, but yeah. it was just beautiful. Like the aspens were changing colors and just starting to, right? Yeah. It yeah. was nice and crisp outside and we... I had never been on a four-wheeler before, and Tyler had provided all the equipment to get out there with the four-wheelers and the gas and yeah, place to sleep and everything like that. It was it was awesome. He's, now, we didn't hear anything either, right? No, no. No, no call, nothing. I mean, we were kind of wondering. Yeah, so this was, was it was the end of August that mm -hmm. we went out, and it was, it, was, it, was, it was a nice area up there, you know? I don't want to say too much about it, just... Out of respect for Tim. <laughs> yeah. But it, it was a really nice area. The The reservoir itself was just beautiful. I mean, we got a chance to go down there a couple times and just look around. And it was just a beautiful, beautiful country up there. Yeah. And it was cool how they, they were talking to us about the kind of how, I don't know if it was world-renowned fly fishing, but uh, all the tours that they had yeah. and just the different things that they were um, doing up there and and. That place was, was beautiful. Yeah, yeah. Gorge there. Interesting, leaving like 100 degree weather and going <laughs> up to something, waking up and it's like 40 something degrees. Yeah. Jumping on four wheelers and, you know, looking like uh, Lloyd Christmas and Harry from Dumb and Dumber <laughs> with our snot frozen on our noses and stuff. Got and cold it was, quick. <laughs> it, was just, it was freezing, you know. Yeah. We we're just a couple of Arizona boys up there in Utah mm -hmm. country and didn't really know what cold was. Yeah. So we went out on the four wheelers and got started and there was a lot of a lot of cool experiences up there and we didn't see anything the first day and the second day, which was a Sunday, one of his buddies put down a spike and that was really exciting to that was one of that was probably like the second or third time I'd actually been part of a pack out or, you know, a processing in the field because out in Nebraska I was there a couple times when my buddies yeah, I got a deer and got to see a little bit of that, but I, I had no idea how to do it. So it was really nice to be part of it. Now, we, we still agree that we, we're pretty sure we bumped that buck into him, right? I mean, he may not be listening or he may, but he may differ. But we're talking right now, so we get to say. <laughs> I'm not sure what happened. Yeah. But, uh, I mean, it, it was a fun, fun, fun morning and yeah. watching... Can you get that buck was or not buck that spike spike yeah it was it was awesome and really pumped me up to to get something and give me that that excitement and everything but now how many tags are there because I think it'll help everybody to know that you weren't the only other tag no. left well I mean like in the whole area there was tons of hunters in there but but I just like mean in our group, group. yeah. yeah. Other group Tyler had a tag Tim had a tag his son Zach had a tag and then. Uh, Kenny had a tag, so what is that, like five, five. of us had tags in that, yeah. in that group and stuff? Yeah. And uh, I don't know, I can't say enough good things about Tim because he's just the epitome of a, what a true sportsman is. And his main goal was to get us all tagged out and putting himself, I mean, he definitely wanted to get something and get something for himself to put up on the wall, but it just seemed like he just found so much joy and excitement getting those those out going and yeah. getting them bringing them into us and stuff and i don't know he's just a great guy yeah so. salt of the earth for sure yeah definitely. for sure definitely so we don't see anything first day yeah so first day we didn't see anything second day was when kenny got his spike and then uh going into the rest of the week we did a lot of just you know what what you do you know just trying different areas calling 
sit in some water. Uh, we did just a lot of, we didn't do much glassing. Um, I know that you went out a couple times yourself and you glassed, but we as a group, we didn't, we didn't really do much glassing. Uh, Tim really liked to, to walk. Yes, so, <laughs> he did. <laughs> we, we put a lot of miles and, and we walked quite a, quite a ways and yeah, you know, he, he has success doing it that way. And I think that's just a testament to uh, what works is what works for you. You know? Yeah. And, and I thought that it was cool when we're walking with Tim, you know, just the, the different places he would take us to, you know, one would have a, a ground blind, mm-hmm. another would have a tree stand, like a, a man-made, you know, like whatever branches fell down, stand yeah. up there. And, and I remember walking and looking around going, what, what are we looking at here? And then I'm like, <laughs> oh, look up, dummy. Like yeah. that, there's a stand right there, yeah. you know, and there's a wallow or whatnot. But so, yeah, that was cool. Yeah. And another memory I have from that trip was I was out and we had, we were meeting up. We were kind of separated. You know, you separate sometimes and kind of go out by yourself and uh, hope that you, you know, get something yourself. And we had split up in this one area and we had decided to meet back on the road. And as I was going back to the road, I ran into a ranch hand, you know, gathering up his cattle and stuff. And I was telling him I was hunting the area and stuff. And he was interested and, you know, he gave me some advice and he looks at me and he's like, well, all you do have to do is find water. And I looked at him and I was like, there's water everywhere. What are you talking about? <laughs> like we're up in Utah. And he's like, well, it's a drought year this weird year. So it's hard to find water. And I was just like, no, pretty sure that, uh, it's hard to find water in Arizona, but up here there's water everywhere, yeah. you know? And that's how I felt. So I didn't know what he was talking about finding water. Cause everywhere I went, there was water yeah. compared to Arizona. So, and I was just, a, it was a beautiful area to walk up there and a lot of, a lot of uh, trees and, I don't know, just beautiful. And so uh, as the week progressed, um, I think uh, I think you started getting um, some pains or you had tripped, right? Yes, I, we were coming down the mountain um, and I twisted my knee yeah. going over the timber. Yeah. And yeah. then about another 20 minutes, I twisted the same knee again going down the timber. Yeah. <laughs> and so <laughs> that night I was a little sore and... You know, again, talking about being the, you know, weekend hunters, you know, and we still have to drive home. Yeah. And all that. So I, I basically chickened out for the next morning. So um, Thursday morning, I think so. So talk about, you know, how many days we have left on your hunt. So we were going home, I believe we were going home Friday. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so Thursday, well, maybe actually it was Saturday that we were going to go home, but you know, everyone was kind of getting to that end of their their hunting and wives were starting to expect people to start coming home and everything. And so it was Thursday that um, we actually, that you decided that you weren't going to go out and you were going to go glass some other areas to see mm-hmm. if you could see anything. And then I went out with the group um, and we were just, you know, went into a couple of those areas that we were seeing sign and we were we were bumping into them, but we just weren't getting shots and we were hearing them bugle and everything. So we went to one of those areas and um, as we were going back there, we were just making our game plan on how we were going to hunt that area. And Tim was, was calling and, you know, obviously doing a great job at that. And we were getting some responses going on. And so we just kept on following the, the responses. And as we were following the responses, we, were got to this one finger of a ridge and he was looking across and he saw a couple cows off in the distance on the next ridge and so we stopped there and we started to see if we could get their attention and they hesitantly uh, paused and kind of like didn't mind us too much but at the same time they were interested enough and we had the wind just right as they were walking on the ridge and so he was calling them well enough to actually get their attention where they started coming towards us. And unbeknownst to us, as they were getting closer, there was another group of elk just right in front of us. And again, we didn't even know that they were there. But as that group, uh, those two cows started coming closer, we started hearing some noises just in front of us in the timber. And so we hear these noises and all of a sudden as we're listening, we have two calves that just came running out of the timber. And as soon as those calves came running out of the timber, those cows 
those that motherly instinct kicked in or something, they ran up the ridge to go head off the calves from coming at us. And so as they ran up the ridge, I was in lead position because I think I'd expressed to Tim that I just wanted to to finally put an, an animal down because it had been about eight years or so, or maybe seven years that I started hunting and I just hadn't had an opportunity actually to put anything down. And so I told him, you know, I'd, I'd shoot anything for my first, my first one. And he was more than obliged to let me have a point on that. So I was sitting there and I had gotten in a really good position, but as soon as those calves came in and those, those cows headed them off, I had the one cow come straight in broadside to block those calves. And I was knelt down, perfect position. I didn't have my rangefinder out or anything like that. And I kept on whispering back behind me to my cousin and to Tim's son, Zach, I don't have a range, I don't have a range. And I saw my window of opportunity just closing and closing the longer I sat there waiting to see if someone could get a range for me. Then I just basically just decided, you know what? It's go time right now. I got to estimate this thing. We've been out in the field enough where we've played that game of how far do you think that tree is? How far do you think that stump is? And we've sat there and estimated and guessed, and I wasn't great at it, but I was good enough at it. So I estimated the cow was about 30 yards away from me. And so I drew back and sat there and put my pin right on her and let it go. And fortunately enough, I could see it actually penetrate. I still was kind of unsure about, you know, where I had hit her, like higher or just if it was just too high or whatnot. But, um, you know, as soon as I saw it penetrate, it was just talk about a rush. Like this huge rush just came over me of just excitement and, you know, all that anxiety and that monkey that's sitting on my shoulder of all these years where I haven't harvested anything and I've gone out there and, um, wait, you know, spent money and then also going up there and spending money for this tag. It was just, just all came to a point where it's just like, I finally got it and I finally made it happen and stuff. And so, yeah, I was pretty jacked over that experience. And then, you know, I was sitting there, um, you know, doing the handshakes and the hugs and thanking Tim and thanking my cousin and everything for bringing, bringing me out there and letting me hunt with them and, and uh, giving it the 30 minutes to an hour to, to run off. Because it, as soon as I hit it, it went down the hill and kind of disappeared. And I didn't, I didn't know if I'd hit it good enough again. And I was a little bit worried that I just wounded her instead of actually putting her down. And so did any of the guys in the group say, no, nah, man, you're oh, good. Like, yeah. Tyler, like, dude, you got nothing to worry about. Yeah. Like, Tyler and Tim just reassured me that she was going down and stuff. And they saw, helped. cause they saw the shot, right? So they saw, yeah. they saw it go in and well, it was nice mean, as much as you can. Yeah. Go in. <laughs> it was nice. And I think you made that comment about, uh, you know, Zach being with us and being a millennial with his cell phone out the whole time, like video recording. Yeah video recording the shot and so we were able to look back at the shot and yeah. see the placement and you know again tim and tyler reassured me that yeah she, she was down it was just it, that we had to give her some time i have to get uh publishing rights from you but i'll put it on the <laughs> my first harvest on instagram i'll yeah. put that video out yeah because it's pretty cool to see it and that's you know you explaining your thought as you're sitting there because as you're watching the video and when i saw it for the first time i was like shoot yeah. Shoot. Yeah. Like, what are you doing? Yeah. Shoot. You know, it just seems like it's so long, but as you explain it, it makes a lot of sense, you yeah. know, going back and forth and, um, either I'd forgotten or didn't know that you didn't have a range finder. And so, you know, you don't always have to have it to make it happen. Right. Yeah. So. And I think that helped again, going and playing the game as you're sitting there waiting for something to come in and guessing, guessing how far a tree stump is or something like that. Yeah. And just honing in that skill really helps and then obviously like going out and shooting a lot because you know shooting in my backyard 20 to 30 yards yeah and that's what i was going to say yeah. is you're you're very very good about getting out putting in the work yeah and and shooting your bow a lot to you know yeah. to have this opportunity and not miss you know oh, so yeah. Yeah. i think that plays a lot into it too besides oh, yeah. the play in the game you know when you're out in the field because it is different than your backyard of course. oh yeah but but yeah, I think both of those coming together definitely makes it easier. Yeah. So so anyway, so your hugs, waiting that half hour, 30 minutes. Yeah, minute, so we hour. were waiting and then, uh, you know, we decided to keep on hunting. And so we kept hunting for the next uh, 30 to 45 minutes. Actually, we probably gave it an hour. And so we just kind of went a different direction. 
and hunt for the next little while. And the whole time, I'm sitting here just nervous. <laughs> nervous one that I, I did not put the elk down and that I hurt the elk. And that really made me nervous. Then I was worried too that if she's down, there's not other hunters out here and someone might get that meat that I've really been working hard for and trying to get that meat and stuff. And so those were my two main concerns. And I just wanted to get over there and, and look to see if, if she was actually um, down or not. And so... And, and before you go on, I'll cut you off again. So, and I know that there's um, three little boys, you know, and, and yeah. I don't think Ava was old enough. Their prayers every night were that their dad yeah. would kill an animal yeah. and bring it home. You know, there's, so there's nothing worse than coming home from a hunting trip and just having your kids go, "Did you get something?" And I'm I'm a bit of a joker, just like you are, you know, and yeah. like going home and acting like I didn't get anything and then coming out and saying, oh, I got something. You know, they were totally expecting me to do that. But year after year, it was just like, no, no. I even went to Cabela's one time to get a picture of one of the stuffed deer out there just to show them that I'd seen something, just to <laughs> come home with, with something, you know. And so, uh, that's funny. Yeah. So, so you kept hunting and then you're thinking, yeah. can I go get my animal? Yeah, please? exactly. So yeah. we did keep hunting and it's kind of cool because... Tim called in this this experienced hunter. He was just the he was out there hunting with his daughters. I don't know. She, he was out there hunting with uh, it was his granddaughter. Yeah, something. And and she comes around the corner because Tim was messing around and you know bugling and making some cow sounds. And she come around with a, her arrow knocked and everything, just ready to go. And uh, you know he, we got talking to them and you know he was just talking about how great Tim was at calling and stuff. So just to kind of give him the praise that he deserves yeah so anyways yeah so the, the time went by and then tyler and i kind of separated from tim and, and zach and and let them to kind of continue so that we could go look for the cow that i had hopefully hopefully just put down and so i mean i talked i was also a rush just walking around trying to recreate where she'd gone and looking for blood trails and losing the blood trail and then finding it again and just the excitement of both of it, like seeing just a trick of blood and just being like, ah, oh, you know, like I didn't hit her too bad, but then just seeing a big old pool of blood and just going, wow, yeah, I definitely got her. And so just recreating that, like, you know, finding where she had actually fell was pretty exciting. And so we finally got to the place where she had fallen and it was just, oh, just the relief to know that I actually completed one of my goals of, being a successful hunter was just that rush that came over me. And, you know, I just so excited. Tyler and I hugged, you know, and just um, took some pictures and got got started talking about what we were going to do next and how to break it up, or, you know, break it down and everything. We called, I think we called you at that time yeah. and said, you know, you get out here now and give you our location and everything. And then called Tim and he came down and we started breaking it apart and all. I don't know, probably embarrassing, and Tyler, Tyler will probably beat me up for this later, but, like, I just remember Tyler, you know, breaking it down and jumping right in, right right at the beginning, and all of a sudden we rolled over, and that that hole in the elk just started shooting out a bunch of air, and Tyler just lost it. <laughs> he started, started gagging, and just, like, that gag reflex of his, is, you know, he just started gagging. It's and pretty like, powerful. Yeah, he started throwing up and stuff, but the thing is, is, like, Despite all that, you know, he gets done. He's like, all right, let's get this done. He jumps right back in. And he's yeah. just like, I, it just really affects me. I just can't stand that smell. But <laughs> his love for helping and, yeah. and, and helping others and hunting and stuff like that runs so deep that even though he has such a hard time with the smell of, you know, the, the, the you know, um, insides of the elk and stuff, yeah. he just jumps right in, you know, yeah. and helps out. So that was, that was pretty funny. But, yeah, we broke down the elk and... You know, we did the gutless method and uh, broke it down into, I think we had like five different mm -hmm. packs full and I took only one trip out of there to get everything done. And yeah. It was, it was quite an experience just to see it and uh, be there myself for the first time when I actually was successful and break it down the animal that I'm bringing home and stuff. And I don't know, it, it was a great first experience. I can tell you that. Yeah. A lot of people thank for it too. So. Yeah. A, a lot of things came together, you know, and, um, I remember when I got up there and I got to haul some of it off. I mean, I was like, I want to fight to say that, Hey, 
I helped yeah. at least haul it <laughs> off the mountain for the first big kill that yeah. we had together, yeah, yeah. even though I missed it because I was yeah. chickened out. But um, no, and, and you know, and that's what's awesome is those guys were so cool about letting us just get all up into everything that they were doing up there because yeah. they had been doing that for years yeah in that in that area there and it's a um, it's a tough place to hunt too there's mm-hmm. there's uh there's not much i don't know it didn't seem like there's much much success in that area and there's a lot of a lot of hunters up there and stuff and i don't know it's a it's a tough area it's not it's not physically too i mean it's just a tough area up there yeah and stuff, so yeah um so briefly describe you know what it's like to bring an animal back home 12, 13 hours. <laughs> and, uh, and again, it was still August, right? Yeah, so it was still August. So we're still, still getting hot, hot right? Yeah. So I mean, up there, uh, up in um, Utah, so again, like when I had taken this thing down, I've never taken an animal down this size before. And so I had come up there with, I think I think I had two coolers, and I think you brought a cooler, mm-hmm. and they were they were not very big coolers. They were just your run-of-the-mill, yeah. I don't know how many quartz they were you know like it was just just not a very big cooler at all and so tyler and i we had to shoot down to walmart to get another cooler and stuff and so we went down there and bought another cooler and and threw the elk in there and um, coming home was the experience too because we were stopping um i mean we stopped at every gas station that we filled up at Mm -hmm. we drained the water and then we filled it back up with ice and i mean i should have probably done dry ice but i just wasn't 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 thinking that and yeah. didn't really have a lot of experience with what I was doing. Yeah, and, and speaking so, of ice, before you go on, yeah, uh, anybody who's listening to this or everybody who's listening to this, keep a whole separate kitty of money just for <laughs> ice because those stores when you're coming back down, yeah. they know yeah. you're gonna need ice. Yeah. I mean, some of those bags were. Eight ten bucks. Yeah, a they were. Bag. Yeah, they were. It wasn't cheap coming back with all that ice. It was crazy. Yeah. So anyway, always just a funny memory of yeah. the ice. Yeah. So luckily, you know, uh, my wife at that time, and also my kids. I mean, they they were more excited about the meat than the money that I spent to get the thing back from Utah. Hallelujah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and also buy the tag and stuff. They were they were super excited when I got back and was able to tell them the story and stuff. Yeah. So, no, it was a great, great experience. Yeah. So. Well, good, man. That's that's awesome to recall. And some of that stuff I didn't know. You know, some yeah. of that stuff I either forgot or just didn't know. Um, so we'll play a little rapid fire here, man. And um, we'll just see what comes out. And right, you don't have do to necessarily it. do one word, but you, you can if you want yeah. to. Um, so your first binos. So those were even though they weren't used. They were the yeah exactly. They were the Cabela's like they were just the Cabela's brand binos, and I still remember sitting at the Cabela's just holding binos in my hand and just looking at all the prices and just like thinking no, there's no way I'm gonna spend that much money, but they were just the Cabela's brands and I think they were like eight by forty two or something and again no idea what I was doing. I just know I needed binos. Yeah, and so I just bought some that looked cost effective to me yeah so nice uh first bow first bow was a uh it was a hoyt it was made by hoyt it was a rampage reflex and it was a company that that hoyt i think owned at the time again i don't know all the background on it i bought it out in nebraska because i thought i was gonna bow hunt out there and i got it out there and it was a 2007 model and it was, I still have the bow. It was a great bow. I just never was able to put it down any animals with it. Yeah. Just because uh, it's not that it didn't work very well. It's just that I wanted an upgrade before. Yeah. Like uh, before too long. So. Yeah. First boots. Uh, whatever was in the uh, bargain cave at Cabela's. <laughs> That's no joke. <laughs> Again, like, yeah. I mean, like I thought it was a cheap hunter until I went hunting with you. <laughs> And you showed up with oh, yeah. your uh, Goodwill camo and Goodwill tripod and everything like that and bragging how much money you saved yep. on this. And I thought, wow, man, compared to Mario, man, I'm spending tons of money on these Bargain Cave Cabela's brand hiking <laughs> boots or hunting boots, you know. And, and actually, they were they really did well for quite a while uh, yeah. before I had to change, uh, change out. Yeah. Just wore them out. But 
No, that was, that was my first boots right there. I didn't realize having you on was going to dime me out for all the stuff that I was doing before. <laughs> it's I mean, it's stuff. important. You know, it makes it's... it real. It makes it real, right? <laughs> uh, this will be an easy one. First hunting truck because it's still the same truck yeah, you got. It's still the same truck. It's yeah. a 07 Toyota Tundra. Yeah, it's a great it's truck. been through a lot. Arizona pinstriping, that was hard for me the first time. I heard the uh, mesquite trees running down the side of it. Yeah. It was yeah. really tough. Now I'm just like, eh. Yeah. Whatever. Like my brother says, it's all lipstick and rouge. Yeah, there it is. What's your favorite snack when you're out there? Um, I really like just jerky and cheese. Um, I always have trail mix because it's just, it gives me everything that I need for energy-wise and yeah. sustains me and stuff. But I would probably say just jerky and cheese. Yeah. I think I know the answer to this, but favorite Arizona unit to hunt? <laughs> I don't know. It's... It's unit eight. I have a love-hate relationship with it because I've had some close calls and and uh, this last year it was really hard for me to walk away from unit eight after the close call that I had there. And yeah. I mean, I, I love unit eight. I, I'm learning more about that unit and every time I go there you, you see just different animals and learn different things about it and I think that that's really helped just sticking with one unit and, yeah. and learning it and stuff. So Yeah, and, and we'll... Uh... On uh, another uh, episode, it, it it'll be uh, it'll be titled "My First Big Miss." We'll have you back on for that one, and uh, well, hopefully, that I have enough time to heal because I'm still burning. That, so. <laughs> and uh, I I'd love to say it, but I was with you on that one too. So we've sure been through will. some yeah. highs and some lows, but uh, a lot of lows. Yeah, a lot of lows. Oh, it's wow. all right. It's all right. So, um, in your opinion, what's the smartest animal you've hunted? Smartest animal? I would say the coos deer. Freaking coos, I don't man. know, man. Like, I, I don't know what their IQ is, but I know that they're a lot more, they're a lot better at surviving than I am at killing. Golly. So, I, right. they're just amazing. They amaze me how well they survive out here in Arizona. It's, yeah. It's awesome seeing them every time in the desert, and I have, like, so much respect for them. So, you've had some... You've had some, you know, kills under your belt now since we started. Um, I don't know if I'd say some kills. Well, I would, I would <laughs> a couple call, more. <laughs> I'd call them, I'd call them kills. Some more kills, but so, but you, you know, it was seven, eight years before you got your first big game harvest, right? Yeah. So, what advice would you give to a guy that's still trying, you know, to to make it happen, and and um, you know, maybe what what did you do differently the last couple of years that you didn't do before, you know, kind of yeah. thing. You know, I I do a lot of jujitsu as you know, and I've been doing mm-hmm. wrestling since I was in high school, and then jujitsu um, I started back in two thousand five, and I was in and out of it. But I still remember being at practice one day, and someone that shows up every once in a while to jujitsu went up to our professor and said, "Hey, how do I get better at jujitsu?" And the professor just kind of looked at him and was like, "You just." You got to show up, man. <laughs> it's like, there's no YouTube, like secret right. YouTube channel out there that the people that really want to get better, good at jujitsu watch. There's no like secret moves and, or anything, you know, it's just, it's just a secret or the success of life is just boils down to a consistent effort over a long period of time. Yeah. You know, it's just shortening that curve. And I just, again, going back to hunting elk the first time and then just thinking to myself, I might not get drawn in Arizona for another four or five years. And so that's four or five years that I'm just sitting stagnant, not increasing my elk hunting knowledge. And that's why I made the decision that I want to do this every single year, no matter what state I have to go to, I'm yeah. going to do this every single year so I can increase my knowledge and become more successful. And so to me, it's listening to podcasts like this and listening to people that have been hunting, doing that consistently, and then just getting out there. I mean, a lot of people just have this fear of starting a new hobby or starting a new uh, sport or whatever. And that fear just holds them back so much in life. And it's just, you just got to go out and do it. I mean, the only thing that's going to make you better at glassing is sitting your butt down and glassing and looking out there. I mean, obviously there's some things that you can learn, you know, which direction to look and, you know, what time of day to be looking in that direction and stuff. But at the same time, just getting out there and just doing it and putting the effort in and putting the time in. That's what I would say is just, you can't just think that you're going to go out the first day and be successful. Although obviously there are people that, know first time first day they go out and they're successful and that's just you know that's the way it goes sometimes and yeah but you know really for me it just came down to just 
being tough and the fact that I'm not getting anything this year again. So I'm going to do this next year because every, every yeah. year is making me better. So Yeah, and I think you've we've talked about that, that you've said, you know, I wasn't the best wrestler. I'm not the best guy at jiu-jitsu, but I show yeah. up all the time yeah. and I'm doing the best I can and I'm there consistently. So yeah. And I can attest to, to you um, putting in that work. So I, I agree with you. Um, so one last first um, that I'll, I'll put you on the spot on. So <laughs> I think I know where you're going. <laughs> your first, uh, you got your first boy hunting. Yeah. <laughs> um, and uh, while I don't want you to give away too much, um, just talk about what it's been like. You know, your your first boy, mm. and just getting him out there, and and you know, you and I've had some offline yeah. conversations, of course, about um, you know getting a the, the, a guy out there and be safe and, yeah. and and all these other crazy pressures that you put on top of with finding animals, yeah. you know? So, uh, you know, about whatever you want to talk about with that, like what's it been like for you? Yeah, it's a different level, like for sure. I mean, taking uh, one of your kids out who you love and want to be the best for and have the, give them the best possible experience that, that you can, it's just a whole new you know, new experience in which it can be stressful, like super stressful sometimes because I have so much, um, so much I want to provide for him and making his experience positive and everything. And I think we as parents put more stress on us than what was actually necessary because, you know, he's just excited to get out there mm-hmm. and see animals with me and getting something is a huge bonus. But at the same time, to me, I've just had to learn that success is just having my son out there with me and having my kids show interest in something I love doing and stuff. Um, I, you know, I've first year I went out with him, I had so much anxiety and stuff. It just kind of took away from that experience in a, a little bit because I just yeah. wanted him to get something so bad so that he, you know, had that experience and I had that experience with him. And the first year we were not successful. And there's a lot of things I did wrong and there's a lot of things I learned from. But I mean, this last year, you know, he was successful and it was just, I mean, total elation. Like I thought I was happy when I got mine. Oh man, I was so, I was so excited yeah. with his. And like, I still, I couldn't stop hugging him because I was so excited <laughs> that he got it. And, you know, just uh, everything about it was just so much better than me being successful. Yeah. And so it was a lot of fun, a lot of fun. And I, I would say take your kids out there. It's a little scary because now you have to worry about somebody else walking around the woods and, and especially, you know, them with their firearm safety, you got to, you know, be a little nervous there and uh, making sure that they're aware of their surroundings as you are yours. But at the same time, in the end, I mean, sometimes that's the only thing that bonds people is that being out in the woods and hunting. I I bought my side-by-side uh, from a nice, really nice guy up in Camp Birdie. And, you know, one of his things was, it's like when the kids hit the teenagers, they're going to stop talking to you. But if you keep taking them out hunting, they'll have to talk to you when you go hunting. And that's one thing that you guys can share. And that's one part of the, your bond that you always share. And so, I don't know, it's been, it's been a blessing. That's for sure. Yeah. That's cool, man. And, you know, to your point about, you know, I have two kids, as you know, and, um, you do want to provide for them. You want to yeah. you give them all these things, you know, but also in hunting, it's like, do I want to make it this easy for you? Yeah. Though? Because <laughs> it's not this easy. Yeah. You start to learn on your own. It's not this easy. So yeah. you need to struggle like I did. A yeah. little bit, you yeah. know, um, so I know kind of a balance there of, you know, you didn't get it the first year, but yeah. you got it the next and we'll, uh, we'll have him on, you know, the podcast. It'll be fun to have him. Yeah, he loves talking about hunting. So yeah, I, I I don't know that we have enough time for him to, to, to get it done, but <laughs> he knows more than I do at his young age. So yeah, yeah. So uh, well, awesome, man. I I want to. I don't know if and when. I mean, this is episode two, and I don't know if and when these guys will ever hear this. But yeah, um, Jay Scott. I mean, we text that guy on Messenger, yeah, you know, he's, and he's amazing. He's never never met us, and he's just never. I yeah. never even knew where he's at or yeah. doing whatever unless he's, you know, looking at his social media. But guy answers back, man. And just to give a shout out to him yeah. and just an awesome guy. Um, Definitely big thanks. Yeah, big thanks to him. And also Kevin at, um, is it uh, Juniper, Juniper Outdoors? Yeah, yeah. yeah, Juniper Outdoors up yeah. in Williams, Arizona. Yeah. Again, 
I don't know if these guys listen to the podcast or not, but I'm going to say thanks to them anyway. Yeah, big thanks to him. Um, as you know, my uh, my brother and I were up there, and um, my brother ended up getting sick, and Kevin was awesome, dude. I mean, answering my text on a Sunday. Like, oh, I didn't know that you were texting him. Yeah, right? Sunday morning. That's the only reason I knew wow. what medical center to take him to. Oh, my gosh. Wow. Yeah. He's, dude, so. That guy's awesome. And, and again, <laughs> I've never even met him. I know yeah. you have, and you've talked to him, and I've been in his stores and bought some things here yeah. and there, but I've never actually met him. Yeah. And just, you know. Yeah, if anybody's up there, definitely visit his store and buy for sure. from him. He's a I great mean, guy. that guy gives probably too much information for being an outfitter. Yeah. <laughs> you know I mean? <laughs> it, it, just a good dude, but. Yeah. You know, I just want to shout out to those guys. And there's many other guys along our way. And obviously, Tim and Tyler, and, mm-hmm. you know, and, um, and Neil in the last couple. But um, so anyway, man, it's been fun. And yeah, I think thanks. we're running out of time. But thanks for sharing your story, man. And just yeah. coming on. And like I said, we'll have you on again on a, on a more sour note. But, uh, <laughs> but it's still fun. I think that's still yeah, awesome. Yeah, he'll definitely hear me crying. <laughs> Bring a block, box of uh, Kleenex on that one. Yeah. <laughs> well, you won't be the first one, so don't worry. <laughs> but um, anyway, guys, that's it, man. Thank you for listening. And as always, listen and subscribe and like and comment if you like. And um, hope you enjoyed it here with Mr. Jared Hostetler. And um, God bless. And you guys have a good, good day, good week.